This is the Tree of Life Ministries podcast. Our mission is to reach everyone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope this message is inspiring, encouraging, and it challenges you. Wherever you're listening from, we hope that you enjoy and that God will transform your life through today's message. I want to share a passage of scripture with you. I really appreciate you being here tonight. And uh, I'm going to follow up off of what I shared with you last week and it's probably going to lead into something else that maybe I really wasn't planning on but I feel like I feel just really compelled to be able to share this and probably share what I'm going to share next week in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 he says now brethren concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Tonight I want to go to the Lord in prayer and I want us to remember tonight uh, Dave, Eileen's sister, and uh, I'm sorry, her brother, I said her sister. It's hard to tell what I'm going to say tonight, but uh, her brother, and uh, just remember him in prayer tonight, and I know that he's watching, and I know that Josephine and Lewis are watching, and there are others that are watching, Jenny's watching up in New York, and other people that have told me they're going to be watching tonight that were unable to be here because of sickness. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this service. And that's right, just give them a hand, letting them know that we're going to be praying for them this week and tonight. And I just want to say that it's good to have with us tonight. Oftentimes they're not able to be in service with us because they're over there helping with the, the teens. But it's good to have Ryan and Angela with us in service tonight. They're having small groups tonight. And thank you for being here. And I met a couple out in the, the foyer before we came in tonight, Bob and Sarah. Just give them a good hand, letting them know we appreciate you guys being with us tonight. It's their first time tonight, so we appreciate you being with us and thank you for being here so we're going to pray for the teens they leave tomorrow and I was joking with Zach I said uh, he was getting everything together and I said I don't know what you're worried about you got a few days of vacation and he said when you're taking 50 some teens to uh, Gatlinburg I don't call that a vacation amen and so uh, but we're just going to pray that their lives are going to be changed they're going to come back really uh, just ready to take on their schools and uh, their friends with the presence of God and so we're really blessed to have good programs we have great leaders leadership in our kids ministry and our youth ministry and other ministries here and so if you want to get involved there's a place for you to get involved we want you to get involved we want you to be a part of and if you just need to come and see what we're about I want to tell your families we're gonna do our best to take care of you and your family praise God amen church Thank you. Praise God. That's right. Let them know that we're glad to have them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you have a need, I just want you to lift your hand, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right into this tonight. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, God. And Lord, I want to thank you that, Lord, that we can approach your throne right here in this sanctuary. And I know for sure that, Father, you're ministering all over this campus here tonight. 
And Lord, we come to you because we realize that there are people that have needs. There are people that really need your help. They need your hand. They need your presence. They need your power. They need your healing. They need you in their lives. They need you as Lord. They need you as Savior. So Father, we come to, your, come to you tonight and we approach your throne with absolute confidence that you hear us tonight. Hallelujah, God. I want to thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers and that, Lord, you just don't hear us, but you have the ability to take care of whatever need it is that we're facing, whatever need it is that we're going through. You saw the hands that were raised in here tonight. And, Lord, what they were saying is when they raised their hand that, God, I believe that you can take care of what I'm going through. I believe that you can handle it. I can't handle it, but, God, I'm giving it to you to, to handle. And so, Lord, we can't handle cancer. We can't handle depression. But, God, I want to thank you that you are Jehovah God. Lord, you are our healer. I want to thank you that you are Jehovah God. You're our provider. You are Jehovah God. You're our joy. You're our peace. And so, Father, I thank you that tonight when we come before you, that, Lord, you're able to take care of whatever it is we stand in need. You're able to touch Dave. Lord, he may be in another place, another state, but God, your presence is able to go right where he is and heal and touch his body. Lord, you're able to touch those that are in the hospital. You're able to touch those that are unable to be here tonight and are at home recovering or, or in the process of, of going through. And Father, I thank you that you're the God who not, ever, not only is with us at the beginning, but God, you're with us in the middle and you're with us in the end. Lord, you see us all the way through whatever it is we're going through. So I thank you, God, that you're touching those that need a touch tonight. Lord, we praise you that, Father, we are so blessed to be able to have the teens that want to come to church and want to be at church. And, Father, I just pray, I agree with this body of believers tonight, that, Lord, you're going to anoint every single one of them, God, that their lives are going to be changed. That, Lord, they're going to have a divine and supernatural encounter with the, with the Holy Spirit and God. You're going to miraculously move in their lives. And, Lord, we declare that there is going to be a generation that comes back to this church on fire for you. Thank you, Lord. So thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. We give you this word, and we declare that you're going to be lifted up and you're going to be glorified. If there's one person here tonight that doesn't know you, if there's someone here tonight thinking about giving up on you, Lord, I want to thank you that your presence is here to bring them home. Thank you, Father. Your presence is here. We give you praise, honor, and glory for all that you've done and you're going to do in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen. Praise God. Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Turn to somebody and tell them, say, I'm glad you're here tonight. First of all, when I share this tonight, I want you to know that once again, I, I just want to remind you because I would never want anybody to think that when I'm preaching or speaking to you about falling away or, or uh, I'm, I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about from the Lord. I'm talking about separating yourself so far, so distant from God that you don't even know where your relationship is with him any longer. And so I'm not advocating or encouraging anyone to come to church sick or anything like that. You know, stay home, get better, keep your family safe, keep yourself safe. And so I just want you to know that, that when I'm sharing this, I'm not uh, getting on anyone for not being at church. If you feel guilty about not being at church, that's probably just between you and the Lord. Amen? And so, and I do want to say, too, there, 
are, uh, I really, I just want to preface with this before I get into this because there are many different beliefs concerning what I am sharing with you. Some people feel like they say, well, if you are in Christ, there's no possible way that you can fall away. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, if you are secure in Him and, and, uh, and so forth, and along that lines of doctrine that there's no way that you can fall away. Some people believe that God is absolutely predestined some people uh, to uh, just be saved and others to not be saved and others to be, uh, that they'll just be lost eternally. Some people believe that there is the theory that many, that there will, there will be no one that is lost, that everyone will eventually come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's a doctrine that's been around for a while now, but it is in, uh, involves several different titles, several different names, but basically it's the doctrine of inclusion, that no one will ever be lost. And that since the Word says that hell was prepared for devil and his angels, that no person or nobody will actually end up going to hell. And if they are uh, lost, it will only be for a period of time. It won't be in the hell where the devil and his angels are. So I just want you just for a moment to have just an open mind. Whatever you've been taught, whatever you've been, uh, whatever you've been raised in, whatever you've been exposed to, that's all that I'm asking. I just want you to have an open mind. I do believe this. I believe that it is harder to go to hell than what most people think. When you are raised in an environment where it's like, man, if you just think a bad thought, you realize if Jesus was to come at that moment, you thought the bad thought, you would be left behind. It'd be like, oh God, help me, you know, because, you know, you just never want to think a bad thought. And then, you know, to the degree that if you do anything wrong, if you cross a certain line, that there's no possible way that at the moment, if you were to die and you were uh, to be lost, you would be lost eternally if there was anything, any element of your life that was wrong. I just don't believe that. I do believe that we have a God of grace, a God of love, and a God of mercy. And it's, it's harder to go to hell than what some people have made it out to be. But I do believe that there is only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's through His blood. That's through accepting Him and doing your best to live for Him and striving to have a relationship with Him. When the Bible speaks of falling away, the Bible is not speaking of, of falling away for people who have no knowledge or have no understanding of what it is to be in right relationship because if you are already fallen, what is there to be falling away from? So I'm reminded when I think about this, all of us sitting in this auditorium tonight, all of us that are watching, all of you that are watching here and you're tuned in, I want us to have a real understanding of how vital it is in the day that we live in that we be the church. Several years ago, uh, we had uh, a, a lab that, I mean, man, he was just a man's dog. I may have told you about him before. His name was Bailey, and he, he was just like, I mean, if you've ever watched Old Yeller, that was Bailey. I mean, he was, he had no fear of anything, anything. I mean, it was not uncommon for us to be in our home 
Uh, and we would be sitting in our living room. We'd hear this screaming, this hollering, and we would go outside, and Bailey had a hold of a groundhog, or Bailey had was chasing a coyote, or Bailey had a hold of a raccoon, and the raccoon had a hold of him. And I mean, man, he, this dog, he had pieces of his ear missing, pieces of his, of his tongue missing. I mean, he had his teeth broken, but he was afraid of nothing. And he was the type of dog that you just, you would walk outside and he would always be there, probably because he was always waiting for scraps to be thrown out into the yard. And so he was not going to go far from the home. As he got older, we realized that he become less active and less mobile and, and he was still a great dog. But I was talking to Sandy and I, I said, you know, we might want to think about getting another dog so Bailey can kind of work with this dog and, and train the dog about how the dog is supposed to be around us. And, and so we got this German Shepherd and his name, we named him Ace. And so Ace, it seemed like right off the bat was trouble. Ace was the type of dog that as he got old enough, we did our best to try to train him to be in our yard. At one point, I even got this uh, battery-operated uh, thing where you would place on their neck, and it would kind of give them a little shock, not a bad shock, so don't think bad of me. And Because um, I tried it out on Zach to see what kind of level it would actually do. And, and, um, but it would... Uh, it would <laughs> They really, we really did. We was trying it out. And they was like, let us try it out on you. I said, no, thank you. And uh, we'll try it out on y'all. And so there was another guy there. But anyway, Ace was so smart. He would lay at the edge of the perimeter of the, the fence. And we wondered what he was doing. And we would hear the sound going off, the alarm going off in our home. But he would sit right there and he would wait until the battery died on his collar. And then he would get up and just go wherever he wanted. And we were getting calls from the neighbors and they were like, listen, your dog is great. But every day your dog comes down here and eats our cat food. And, um, and I was thinking, well, that's kind of good for us because we don't have to feed him then. But they didn't like it, so we were working trying to keep him there. And then they would bring him back from this community. And one day this guy pulls up in the truck, and Ace is sitting in the, drive, the passenger seat just like a human being. And, and he's looking out the window, and, and the guy gets out of his truck, and he's kind of intoxicated. And he was like, yeah, we were all just sitting around the campfire having a good time, and your dog came up, and we gave him some something to drink and something to eat and and I'm not even kidding you I think they gave him beer because he was just he just went and laid down he passed out after he got there and so we were like we were pretty sure that he joined the party and uh but there was this time where it was like Bailey and Ace were just kind of hanging out with each other and although Bailey would never leave it was Christmas and we were looking for the dogs. They were nowhere to be found. We thought that somebody had actually taken both of our dogs because Bailey would never follow Ace. The only thing Bailey liked to do was chase deer. So we look. It goes for a couple days. We're posting it on Facebook. We're asking people if there's any site if anybody knows where our dogs are, I mean, you know, we were praying about it. I mean, I mean, it was pretty traumatic at the time. And, and then we get this call, and this guy says, I think I know where your dogs are. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, meet me over here at this place. It was a place I never knew existed. It was a place back in the woods, 
And when you went through the woods, it was literally just a cliff. In other words, you walked through the woods, and when you walked through the woods, it was like the woods, and then there was the cliff. And the cliff went into a rock quarry that over time, as they were digging in the rock quarry, they hit water. It flooded the whole quarry, so they had to stop making, uh, doing the rock quarry thing in the quarry. And because of all the, the water, it had just filled up into this kind of small lake. And out from that was uh, a place where they did uh, mulching for trees. It was just there in the middle of nowhere. And so we're walking out there, and as we're getting closer to this place and closer to this place, we holler for the dogs, and man, they're going crazy. Over this cliff, apparently what had happened was Ace had led Bailey over into these woods, and Bailey and Ace both fell off of this cliff about 20 or 30 feet into the water, and they literally had a place probably about the size of these speakers where they were standing on the edge of the water. They were freezing, they were cold, and Ace is just sitting there looking at us, and Bailey's doing everything that he can to get to us. You can see the look on Bailey that it's like, thank God they came to save my life. And while you're saving me, it was like I could read Bailey's mind. While you're saving me, just leave Ace here. Just leave him here. Take me. Leave Ace. We get him back to the house. I'm not even exaggerating. For days, Bailey never moved. Ace would come around Bailey, and Bailey would look, look at Ace like, don't even get near me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to be around you. I told you that story to let you know that everything that we do as believers is an influence to the people around us. The life that we live, the way that we worship, and I'm not just talking about in church, although in church how we worship influences the people around us and how they worship, because sometimes there are people that are just ready to break free, but they're wondering, can they really break free? Aren't you glad that you're in a place where you can worship the Lord the way that you really want to and the way that you really feel the Spirit being compelled in your heart? And so when I was reading this and I was thinking to myself, do you realize that we live in a culture that now it used to be that the church influenced the culture? That everything in culture surrounded everything that was done inside the church. People dare not open a business on Sunday morning. Yeah, but after all, if you open that business, you do realize that people are going to be at church and you don't want to do anything to draw away from church or hinder church. You realize that years ago, no one thought of ever scheduling anyone to work on a Sunday. And then through time in the Industrial Revolution and we saw different things take place, what you saw was that we have to have people working on Sunday because we got to keep the country and we got to keep the economy moving because now we're not just a country economy, we're a global economy. You see things that have taken place that now makes it harder for people to get to church, not easier. You see things now that it used to be not even there. People never had to battle with. People never had to fight with. They just made a point to be in church. Church was reflective not of the culture, but of their love for God. 
church was reflective of how people really felt about God because they really revered God, they honored God, they respected God, and they did everything to make sure that a relationship with God was first and foremost in their life. Now we're subtly and slowly coming to an age and coming to a time where not only is that era moved out, but now we're in an age where it's just the opposite. Church is the last thing that you do. A relationship with God is the last thing that you do to make it the first thing that it should be. Church is the last thing that you put on your calendar. It's the last place that you figure into your schedule. And how many of you know that even today, it's still even more real today than what it was 30 or 50 years ago, that when people come to church now, it's because they have to do everything that they can to get to the house of God because they realize not only is culture fighting them from being the house of God, but the devil is fighting them more than he ever has to keep them from getting in the house of God. Aren't you glad that we have a house of God that we can come to, that we can worship? Come on, give God a praise. So last week I told you about the spirits that were really prevalent in our culture right now. You're not going to see them on the screen. I can send you notes. And, but tonight what I really want to and what I'm really trying to get to for the end of this is the five falling aways. It's the five fallings that you're going to see take place like we've never seen them take place on a scale before. But last week when I was sharing this with you, I shared with you about how that the spirit of confusion and the spirit of delusion and fear and the spirit of quit was among and very prevalent in our culture right now, how these spirits are constantly at work and they're doing everything that they can to keep the people of God from really moving forward and being dedicated and committed to the kingdom of God. I also told you that the word falling away is not just a term where it's a casual walk away from God. It's not just something that just happens overnight. It's a process just like it is with the process of growth. It's also the process where people say, you know what, I really don't want to live this life anymore. It's so much so that when Paul uses the terminology falling away, it's the same word in the Greek that you would also use for divorce. What we know is no one just comes up, even though people will say and they'll talk to me and they'll say, it just hit me out of the blue. I didn't know that they were going to do this, but my spouse just come to me, my husband just come to me, my wife just come to me, and they want a divorce. But when you sit down and you talk to them, you realize it didn't just happen to happen. You realize that it happened over time. You realize that there was a period of time where they stopped communicating with each other. You realize it was a time when they stopped spending time with one another, where they stopped enjoying one another and, and really just having those moments with one another. Even though there were certain things in place, even though there were certain factors that kept them together, there were other factors that were working against them and now here they are, they look at it and they're sitting in court and they can't believe what's taken place, but it was a process that took them away. 
There is also a process. We don't just walk away from the Lord. No one just comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, have a relationship with Him. They come into the house of God. They hear the Word of God. They're exposed to the presence of God. And then no one lives a life dedicated and committed to God. And then all of a sudden just says, I decide I don't want to be a Christian anymore. No, what happens is there is a process that takes place. Over time, someone stops praying. Over time, someone stops reading the Word of God. Over time, someone stops coming to church regular. Over time, someone quits worshiping and listening to worship music. It's a process of time that the enemy begins. A slow breakdown in your life until he gets you to the place where you break away from the real life that God wants you to have. And so you see this take place. I see it take place more than what probably the average person would see take place. You come into the house of God, people come into the house of God, and especially a large church on Sunday morning, you just assume maybe someone started going to a different service. You assume that maybe someone's work schedule all of a sudden has changed. You assume that maybe something has happened and maybe possibly they're no longer coming to church here, but because you know them, you're sure that they wouldn't quit going to church. They probably just started going to church somewhere else. But how many of you know that it doesn't work like that? I want to tell you here tonight that if you don't see someone, you need to find out where they are. Never just let someone go. Never just let someone walk away. Never let someone just disappear and assume that you think that they're all right because that's what the enemy would like for the church to do is just assume that everyone is okay. People say, why in the world do you spend eight hours on a Tuesday texting over a thousand people? I want to tell you why. Because I know that everybody is not okay all the time. I know that everybody is not fine all the time. I know that people struggle. I know that people battle. I know that people fight. And I know that there are some people, they're just tired of fighting and tired of battling. And they need a word from God. They need encouragement. They need to know that someone still cares about their life when the enemy has told them that no one cares. I want you to know, never think there's not a God that doesn't care. There's not a church that doesn't care. There's not someone that doesn't care. I want to tell you part of a church where somebody cares about your life. So you see this defection or divorce and it's created what I would call the great walking away where Paul told Timothy the spirit expressly says in the latter times now think about everything that I've just told you and think about what I'm telling you right now. And, and I could take the way where I told you to, and I could go the way of saying, well, listen, if you've accepted Christ, you're fine. No worries. Nothing to be concerned about. But I want to tell you, when I was studying this and I was preparing this, and, and I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, sometimes it seems like you're giving the pastor the easy words and me the hard words. That's kind of unfair. Can you switch it up a little bit? Hallelujah. And I just realized this. I could stand here and tell you that. I could stand here and give you something that would make you feel better about where you are. 
But this is what I know. I'm going to have to stand before God. And when I stand before God, he's going to look at me and he's going to say, Ray, this is what I told you to preach. And I didn't mean for you to let people off easy. I meant for you to preach the whole word and nothing but the word so that when people got the word, it would get in their spirit and get in their heart. I don't want to stand before God having not preached what I knew that he wanted me to preach. So when I look at this and he says, the Spirit speaks express, says expressly that in latter times some will depart from the faith. I want to tell you what he's really saying is that there were going to be some people that that's what they're going to do. They were in the faith. They were walking in faith. They were believing in faith. But they made a choice to depart or divorce from it. I told you last week about the rise of the nuns the group of what we would call the millennials. And maybe some of you left here last week and you probably thought like some people think about the younger generation. Oh, well, that's the younger generation. That's just them. That's who they are. That's how they roll. That's what they believe. And you probably have in your mentality what a lot of churches and what a lot of people have concerning millennials. They don't want to work. All they care about is their Starbucks. All they care about is their Instagram or Twitter. But can I let you know this, that when you and I are sitting over here, they are having a service over there with millennials. And those millennials are praising God. Those millennials are worshiping God. Come on, can somebody help me out here tonight? See, not all millennials are like that. But I want to speak to you tonight. I told you about the rise of the nuns, but listen to this carefully. There is a new group of people. It's called the rise of the duns. And these are the people that said this. Over the last six months, even though the COVID restrictions have been lifted, and even though we see that people are making their way back into church, the Duns are the people that have said this, I'm done with church. I'm done with it. I'm finished with it. I don't want any part of it anymore. I can just sit home in the comfort of my home and it's easier for me to avoid all the stuff in church and I can just sit here and feel good inside of my own home without being in a place filled with church politics filled with church hypocrites and I can just worship the Lord all by myself. These are the people that are the free thinkers. These are the people that don't mind asking questions. These are the people that you're not going to control with religious rules and regulations. These are the people that when you ask them their opinion, they're not going to tell you everything's fine and everything looks good. They're going to tell you, I didn't like the way that song went. I didn't like this and I didn't like the preaching and I didn't like this. And they, some of what they say might be a offensive, but can I tell you, you better listen to the Duns because when the Duns say that they're done with church, it should be a sign to the church to look at what we do and how we do ministry and how we treat people when they come into the house of God. Let me explain something to you. I want you to hear this when I tell you this. When polled, they were asked, 
many questions. Why are you done with church? And the answers range from they don't like church politics to they see too many church hypocrites. But I want you to get this inside of your heart just for a moment because the deciding factor for them not to want to come back to church, that wasn't it. As a matter of fact, all the other answers that they gave, when it came down to this one answer, all the other answers were really not even factors. But this is what they said. It was the same thing that this poster asked people that were out of church, 10, somebody shout 10, somebody shout 10, 10 years ago. And this is what they said. They said 70% of them said that they had no meaningful experience with God in church in the last three months of their attendance. 30% said the reason why they stay in church despite all of its problems is because they still sensed and felt the presence of God. What that tells us is this. My statement to this day still stands true that we need the Holy Spirit in our church more than ever before because he makes us look better than we really are. The Holy Spirit covers all of our issues, covers all of our problems, covers all of our faults, covers all of our failures, covers all of our inconsistencies, our discrepancies, our glitches, our hitches, so that people can see the power of the Savior that He still heals, still saves, and still delivers. My goodness, somebody give God a shout of praise in this place. At the same time, there is a great walking away. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, there's a great coming too. I said, Lord, why would you say that if there's so many people walking away? But we read in Matthew 24, 14, what did he say? The gift, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. So what that tells me is, exactly what Jesus said in John 12, 32. If I'm lifted up, then I'll draw all people to myself. We don't have to be perfect. All we have to do is lift up the Savior. We don't have to get everything right. All we have to do is lift up Jesus Christ. We don't have to be perfect. We can worship and magnify the one who is. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this place. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, we're not waiting for revival. Revival is waiting on us. We always say, God, send revival. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, quit praying that I send revival. I'm waiting on you for me to give revival. I'm ready to give it. I'm willing to give it. I want to give it. I'm waiting for the church to get ready for the revival that I want to send. That's why he said, the Spirit and the bride, they say, come. And I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said. He said, Ray, the church needs to be the reason they come, not the reason they leave. You need to write that down. You need to put it inside your notebook. You need to pin this. 
I want to be the reason somebody comes to the Lord and somebody comes to church. I don't want to be the reason they leave. But we see this taking place still. All of this time, I'm going to jump on to the end of this. The five falls. What does this falling look like? Well, first of all, I told you it began with the process. He used the terminology of divorce. It begins by a falling out of love. You don't need to go far into the book of Revelation before you see when he wrote to the church of Ephesus. And he said, I have this against you. I want you to think about everything that he says. You've labored. You persevered. You're patient. You're able to spot those who teach false doctrine. But he said, the real issue with your life is not what you do in church. It's your relationship with me. You've left your first love. You've fallen out of love with me. I want to tell you one of the saddest things that I think that we could ever experience is to fall out of love with the one who gave us all the love that he had when he died for us. You say, how do you really know that this is a problem? Well, I remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12 when he says, the love of many will grow cold. Oh, are you really talking about that love? Well, the word love is agape love. That's the love. That's the word that he uses. He doesn't use other types of words for love. He's talking about agape love, a self-sacrificing love. He's talking about people that were so in love with the Lord that they would do anything for the Lord. But over time, that love grew cold. It not only grew cold for the Lord, but it grew cold for the people around them. I want to tell you, you know one of the ways where you can always recognize if your love has grown cold for God is if you lose your love for other people. If when somebody sits in your seat and you get aggravated that they're in your seat, somebody parks in your parking spot and you get aggravated that they're in your parking spot, someone took the last muffin at the coffee bar and you're aggravated that they got the last muffin. Man, it's awful quiet in here. I want to ask you tonight, if you look deep inside of yourself, can you honestly say that you look at people with the love of God or do you look at them as an inconvenience to your life? I never want us to get to the place where we are inconvenienced by people coming into the house of God and disturbing our space. Come on, somebody give God a praise if you're hearing me tonight. Because you do realize that somebody made a place for you to be able to sit in this church. So we always have to make a place for people in our church. No matter where they are and who they are, everybody needs a place to sit. The second thing, the second falling is a falling out in church. And when I say a falling out, I'm talking about brothers and sisters that have had a falling out. You do realize that years ago, and you see the scripture, brother will deliver brother, and you say, oh, well, that's not really what that's talking about. Oh, yes, 
it is talking about because when he uses the term brother, he uses the term not just biologically, but he's using the term spiritually. Metaphorically, he's using the term that when you come into the house of God and I look at you and I call you brother, I call you sister, He's saying there's going to be a time when they are actually going to turn on one another. Well, they don't just all of a sudden turn on one another. Something caused that. Something created that. And it used to be years ago, people would argue over the color of what we were going to use to pad the pews. They would argue over the color of carpet. They would argue over whether or not we were going to put pews in the church or seats in the church. I never will forget when we were building our last building and people were coming around and they were wanting to see inside the building. And I kept the building closed. And they would come around and they would say, is there any way you'll let us? And I'd say, no, you're not coming in until the building is ready. And someone asked me one day in a board meeting, they said, why won't you let anyone in the building before it's ready? I said, because I've already picked out the colors. I've already picked this out. I've already picked that out. And I know what people will do. They'll say, I don't like that color, and I don't like this color. And who picked out that color? And they said, yeah, but if they don't like the color, they're going to be mad at you. I said, exactly. I want them mad at me, not at each other. Because I didn't care. At the end of the day, I didn't care what color the seats were. I didn't care what color the floor was. I didn't care what color the walls were. I only cared whether or not people came and gave their heart to the Lord. That's all that I cared about. We can change the colors. We can buy seats. We can change the colors. But isn't it amazing now? Things that we used to joke about years ago now offend people in church. Oh, you don't dare say anything about politics. You can't make a joke about a Republican or a Democrat because all of a sudden then you're a dog for saying something about a Republican or a Democrat. You know what? None of them are any good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know that? Do you do know that? That's why we serve a king. That's why we serve a king instead of a president. That's why we serve the king of kings instead of a president. But see, you're going to see people, the more intense our culture gets. I wanted to say something so bad. I'm glad the Holy Spirit stopped me. Amen. And, but it's going to be like people are just going to be at each other. And I want to tell you, church, we have to be willing to set our feelings that we wear on our sleeve aside and just say, you know what, I don't care what anybody says. I want them to be in heaven with me. Come on, can we? If we, if we had that attitude. But see, you're going to have people falling out. Falling out. You're going to have people falling into a world system. We see this taking place. It's not just going to happen overnight. In Revelation 13, 16, he causes all, both small and great, to receive a mark. And we say, years ago, we would have, we would have totally put that picture off until after Christ came. But what do we see now? Everybody needs to be registered. Everybody needs to have a number. 
Everybody needs identification. And more and more all the time, they're finding a way to track us. And we're no longer inside of the United States of America system. We're more and more and more part of a global system. And all it is is a system designed to put everybody in one place so that we conform. Are y'all with me tonight? So that we conform to the world system. Because how dare you set up a system that says that the people are free. I'll tell you how I set up a system where the people are free. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Come on, I got to move on. I got to hurry up. You're going to see a falling back into, into sin. Paul, when he's writing to Timothy and he's explaining everything that's going on, and going to happen in the last days, it's going to be perilous times. I could go further into this, but he uses even Damas as an example. That what did he do? He's forsaking me, forsaken me. And what does Scripture say? Having loved this present world, he takes off. And he goes and he leaves the faith because he realizes that the great apostle Paul is about to lose his life. And Damas says this, he says, you know what? When I joined Paul, he was popular. He's not popular anymore. He's about to be made an example. I think that I'm just going to slip away and walk away. And you know what we're going to see? We're going to see more and more people succumb to the attacks of the enemy to a degree where it's easier to walk back into the world than it is to save themselves for the world to come. The last thing, falling for the false. And here's where I'm going to leave you tonight. I just want you to pray for me because I've been just going over some things in my mind and in my heart. These modern day doctrines that are getting into the church and doctrines that are beginning to draw people away. And all I want to do is make sure that we are equipped. That's all I want. That's all I want. But there's going to come a time which is now where we are where people are falling for the false. And you and I would sit here and we would say, well, there's no deceiving spirit that's going to get me. And there's no way that I would follow a doctrine of demons. But you know what I shared with you last week? And it's been over time. It's not just, not just time here recently, but times past where people judge a person's life by what they see happen in a meeting or in a church instead of what they really believe. And so I'm telling you tonight, if what a person believes doesn't match the Word of God, 
I don't care what kind of meeting they hold. I, I don't care what kind of video they put on the internet. I don't care what they say in front of people. What I care about is what they say they believe about God and His Word. So we may dive into that if the Lord leads me to, but I want to close tonight with this. I don't want anyone here tonight to leave without coming to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, oh, well, this is the Wednesday night crowd. And the Wednesday night crowd, people know Christ as their personal Savior. Well, if you've been coming on a Wednesday night for any length of time, you'll know that it's not uncommon for someone on a Wednesday night to give their heart to the Lord. Amen. But I also want to have prayer for anybody. Again, that is of lately. Just bow your heads with me. That it's just been tough. It's just been hard. Now, if you were in a church where you didn't experience God's presence, if you were in a church where you never felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. If you were in a church where the Word of God was not being preached, it would be easy to let you just walk out of here. But there is no way, if you've ever come to multiple services at this church, that you haven't heard the truth of God's Word. There's no way that you could come and sit in this church and not feel the Holy Spirit grip your heart. There's no way that you could come in this church and not sense the presence of God. No way that you could do that. So there's something inside of you that is saying, I want to be back where I was. I'm not comfortable with where I'm at. I want to be back where I was when Christ came and filled me. I want to be back where I was when Christ came and saved me. I want to be back in the Word. I want to be back in prayer. I used to come, and it was natural. I would lift my hands. I would sing. I would shout. I would praise. And now, where I have come to call it maturity, I'm too mature to make noise. I'm too mature to look a little foolish. Could it be that you have mistaken maturity for complacency? And God is telling you, if you aren't careful, you're not as mature as what you think you are.
You're just in a place where you didn't see. Because if you want what you had, you got to do what you did to get what you had. Which means there are going to be times where you're going to say, you know what, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to shout. I'm going to shout until I ain't got a voice left to shout with. And then when I ain't got a shout, I'm going to dance until I can't dance no more. Can somebody just stand up and give God a good shout of praise in this place? I said, can somebody stand up and just give God a good shout of praise? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask you with heads bowed, is there anyone here tonight that you would just say, I don't know Christ as my personal Savior, but I do not want to walk out of this place without knowing Him. Quickly, look inside of your heart. Is there anyone here? Just raise your hand so that I can pray with you before we leave tonight. Anyone quickly? I don't know Christ, but I need Him in my life. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, young lady. Hallelujah. 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 Ah, thank you, Lord. My goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask you tonight, you're a saint here, and you say, I see I've seen myself stepping, stepping, and slowly falling away. I'm not interested how you're falling away, whether you fell out with someone here at church, where you fell into sin, where you're falling out of fellowship. I'm not interested in how you fell out. I'm only interested in how you fall in. That's right, how you fall in. Quickly, if that's you and you say, Pastor, it's me, I've fallen away. I've fallen out. And I need back in. Quickly, raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Come on, anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. My goodness, that's all right. Come on, give God a praise tonight. They're going to sing. As they sing, this altar is open for you. If you raise your hand, I want you to come to this altar tonight. I want to pray with you. Quickly, someone wants to pray with you. Thanks for listening to today's message. We pray you were blessed by God's Word. For more information on Tree of Life Ministries, you can visit tolm.net or you can follow us on social media at TOLM Lynchburg. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.